everybody. Welcome to Utterly Astounded, where eschatology meets current events meets real life. At least my regular real life at home here in Southern California. Well, welcome and thank you for joining me. And today I have the privilege of speaking to Shelby Cullen. Shelby is a very seasoned woman of God and I appreciate so many things about her. She always has a good word of encouragement. She's a faithful servant of the Lord and a stellar teacher, and she is a professor of biblical counseling and women's ministries at the Masters University. She has been a certified biblical counselor with the Association of Biblical Counselors since 2005. She has been married to her husband, Sean, for 35 years, has four grown children, three of whom are married and two grandchildren. And she has a BA in Christian Ministries, an MA in Biblical Counseling, a Doctorate of Educational Ministry with an emphasis on Biblical Counseling. And for her ministries, she is involved in Women's Hope Podcast. She's a co-host on that, and I will put that in the show notes so that you can listen in. That's a terrific podcast, and she's been doing that for three years. And that is produced by the Masters University. And she's also involved in Every Woman's Grace here at Grace Community Church, Women Walking Wisely. That is a um, ministry with our fellowship group and also biblical counseling, of course. And she is passionate about discipleship of women, both formal and informal. And Shelby, with all of that to your name, I know you are going to solve every problem we have <laughs> yeah, about right. fear of the future today, right? There you go. So we're going to discuss fear. And most people I've noticed, either believing or unbelieving, sense this seismic shift in the universe, if you will, with all that's gone on in the last couple of years. And we know as believers, we are on God's historical timetable and all things are headed in the direction that he has planned since before the foundation of the world, of course. And we need to believe that and we need to respond accordingly. But we still have to deal with the day-to-day -day fear as it relates to what we maybe see happening in the world and our society and having to stand firm in the faith and not be swayed by our circumstance. I mean, I love that the Bible says fear not at least 302 times. I think do not be afraid 350 times if you look each one of those up. So we know it's a command, but I think it's getting to that point that's the issue and making that leap from it's a command to how do I settle my heart? And we are living in fearful days. We've seen how powerful fear can be in the last two years with COVID, et cetera. And the latest data shows that one in six Americans takes a psychiatric drug. This is from Scientific America. Statistically, they take a psychotropic and that is even on the increase. And then it's spiking. The prescriptions for anti-anxiety medications are spiking. I think Cigna reported that it went up 34.1% between mid-February and mid-March of last year. And then there was uh, psychiatrists that work for a company that is mental health based and chat based, and they wrote 86% more prescriptions for psychotropics and antidepressants in March and April of 2020 than they did in the preceding months. So there has been a huge leap in response to COVID, et cetera, which, you know, we talk about this, most people survive, that it's a high survival rate, it's not Ebola, it's not the bubonic plague before antibiotics, and yet the world is gripped by fear. And we're even seeing this really in our young people, the next generation coming up seem, seem very terrified. 
of what's happening. And then just noticing that the most frequently diagnosed anxiety disorder is GAD or generalized anxiety disorder. So it's like everybody is anxious about everything, of course. <laughs> yeah. And we're told in scripture, be anxious for nothing and nothing means nothing. <laughs> but by prayer and supplication, we are supposed to take our requests and our concerns to God. So I would love to talk to you about firstly, how can reverent fear of God help mitigate against this quote unquote free floating anxiety and worry about the future? Yeah, I love the way you use the word free floating or the phrase free floating anxiety. I think that's a that's a, a great way to actually put it. Um, but it's a great question because as you know, most um, ungodly concern, and that's how the Bible really defines it, um, or free-floating anxiety is really just rooted in a fear or concern of some future event. Jesus talks about that in Matthew 6, and even Martha demonstrated free-floating anxiety in Luke 10 when she was um, having to make dinner. Um, You'll probably recall that narrative uh, for Jesus and the disciples. And so left unchecked, uh, the mind can default to wandering into the land of what-ifs, often creating scenarios that aren't true. And sometimes you can even, people become terrified by their own thoughts and their own imaginations. And then they complicate the matter by manifesting other ungodly behavior like Martha did, for instance. Um, You'll recall that she stormed into the room at one point and accused Jesus of not caring. Yes. (laughs) So um, when I go down the road of ungodly concern, um, and I have, Um, I just begin by counseling myself, uh, firstly, just by acknowledging that when I do go into the land of what-ifs and become anxious, sometimes to the point of panic, that I'm actually sinning because I'm not trusting the Lord in in that moment. And so I stop, and I pray, and I ask the Lord for forgiveness. It's a good start. Because functionally speaking, in those moments, I'm, I'm really sinning in unbelief. And so I turn my thoughts away from my crazy imagination and uh, seek to turn my thoughts towards him. So confession is actually an aspect of fearing God because I understand theologically that I need his help and his grace to hold those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. So it really starts with just acknowledging what you're doing. Um, And then, of course, I would turn to Scripture. I I believe that God's Word is the best defense when it comes to anxious or intrusive thoughts. Um, It's the very means by which God uses to transform us from the inside out with the help of the Lord, of course. So it's important not to only read uh, the Word of God, but to treasure it in our hearts, you know, through memory, uh, memorizing verses. I know you and I do that in our Bible study meditating on the word. And right away, uh, one verse that comes to mind immediately is just 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7, where we're reminded that God hasn't given the believer a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And what is a sound mind? Well, it's one that's focused on God and his truth. Um, And so, again, you know, I can begin to battle my ungodly fear or that free-floating anxiety by getting into his word and meditating on scripture like that. But I also want to get into the word with the aim of having a clearer view of who God is. That's super important, and it's actually a very practical way uh, to help with those kinds of thoughts is to actually spend time studying about God and and seeing what he says about himself, um, you know, from his word. 
Um, I have a special worksheet that I use in counseling that has something like 60 or so attributes of God. And as I or a counselee grows in their view of God, it definitely nurtures a reverent fear because you're learning more about who he is. Um, You know, and that's you want to go to his word to understand who he is. Otherwise, you're leaning on your own understanding anyway. Right. And then I think maybe lastly, um, I think prayer is really important. Um, in this process as well. Um, Believers are in a relationship with the living God, and so we want to be active in abiding in Him by depending upon Him. And of course, one way to do that is to be in communication with Him through prayer. And you mentioned Philippians 4. Um, That comes to mind immediately. Paul talks about that. He exhorts believers not to be anxious about anything. But by prayer, with a thankful heart, we're to lift our prayer requests up to him. And so a way to combat ungodly fear is just to go to him in prayer and with gratitude. Um, there are so many things to be thankful for. And even this morning on my way to work, I have a 30-minute commute. I was just rehearsing in my mind, praying in my mind to the Lord about all the things that I'm thankful for, just to kind of nurture that heart of gratitude for 30 minutes. And I think it's just the tip of the iceberg, right? Right. So those would be some, some ways in which I'd want to encourage somebody in that that respect. Absolutely. Very, very practical. And I think, uh, I think of Psalm 19, nine, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And just like you're talking about, so to think about scripture, to think about his attributes, Mm -hmm. and we have the power to do that. Sometimes I think we forget that, (laughs) that as as believers, we have the power to put off those fears and that wrong thinking and and think about the attributes of God. And I love that you mentioned confession, Shelby, because I don't often think of it that way, mm-hmm. you know, and I know practically and I know theologically that worry and uh, fear, free floating anxiety, if you will, is a sin and that it does uh, mean that I am not at that point trusting God and I'm unbelieving at that moment. But, you know, I find myself giving myself a pass a lot on that because I think I say, but, but these are real. <laughs> these things could happen. You know, I kind of go down that road and say, instead of saying, no, hold on a second, <laughs> meditate on what is true and take your thoughts captive and stay in that vein instead of letting yourself go down that other road. And so I have a thought for you on this. I wonder how you would respond to this. Uh, Matthew 10, 28 says, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And to that, I would say yes and amen. I think where I get a little uh, gummed up, the works get a little gummed up, is that I think sometimes about other people. So it's sometimes not so much worry, let's say, about myself. You know, although when I think about death, there are more pleasant ways to die than, you know, others. So there is that. But I don't think that it's so much me, uh, but it's those people that I love or people that I that are close to me uh, that are unsaved mm-hmm. and that I think about things that are going to happen to them, for instance. And so I think that's where sometimes the, the worry can can come in. And we mean like what's happening in our country. Of course, it's Romans 1 on this nation, the wrath of abandonment. That is completely true. So I do think about that. But also uh, another scripture in that vein is Luke 12, 7. But the very mm-hmm. hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. I find that extremely comforting. But then, I again, 
I think it's the concern for others that that is the thing that may, let's say, keep me up at night, the salvation of the people that I love. So I know that God has my hairs numbered, <laughs> let's yes. say, you know, but what do you do when you think to yourself, but what about so-and-so? Sure. What about so-and-so? That's the thing that is the scary place or the most worrisome. Mm-hmm. And I know you take that to the Lord as well, but I just kind of wondered about yeah, what you thought of I that. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, Scripture uh, talks about godly concern and ungodly concern. So mm-hmm. the word anxiety is used in a positive and a negative in the Scripture. So where you would see godly concern um, appear would be something like 1 Corinthians, um, where Paul talks about having um, concern for the church, if you'll recall, the people there, well, he was concerned they would have mutual care for one another. Right. And so what was happening in that church is uh, that the believers were more fo- self-focused and they were more um, thinking through what, who has the greater gift, right? And so Paul was concerned that they, uh, yeah, be mutually loving and, and to each other, for, hence 1 Corinthians 13. Um, and so to, to answer your question, though, what I would say is it seems completely legitimate to have genuine godly concern for people that you love. I have unbelieving family as well. And so I, um, yeah, I know that God is sovereign in salvation. I've always lived by knowing that um, I don't have to argue people into the kingdom, but God calls me to be faithful. Right. Even though he's sovereign in salvation, um, I don't don't allow that to deter me from being faithful with the gospel, if you know right. what I mean. I know mm-hmm. that I, I still know that Romans says that, you know, faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. So I still want to be faithful there. Um, certainly praying for them every chance I get, um, prayer requests. I ask for salvation for unsafe family members, uh, my grandchildren included. Yes. Um, and there's a comfort in that because I know um, if I really believe that God is sovereign in those things, I can rest in knowing that he knows best because he's infinite in his wisdom. He's uh, a loving God. You know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? So I know that. So I, I think there's just something about how you view God in those situations. But um, so, yes, legitimate to be concerned, um, but just really watching where the thoughts go because your your thoughts can go into directions that aren't, like you said, even true. So you start getting concerned about an unsaved family member, you start praying for them, but then you start thinking about all these horrible things that are going to happen as a result that aren't even true. And it just goes like way over there. And so now you've kind of gotten into the land of what ifs. And um, that's when um, God would define it as ungodly at that point. And it's like, wait a minute, I got to reel Reel it back in. Yeah. Yeah. I love that delineation. That's Mm -hmm. very helpful, actually. So you can, when you're looking at it or you're thinking about the things that you're thinking about, and you can say, is this a godly concern? And if it is, what do I do with it? Which is prayer and, but still keeping your thoughts captive in that. And if not, uh, that's something different. So I really, I really like that delineation. That's very helpful. So thank (laughs) you so much. (laughs) So what are some key attributes of God to remember when faced with fear? Now, interestingly, when I work with counselees or, if, or, or even as I examine my own life, because um, I did have a season where I struggled with anxiety, um, there are some common attributes uh, that uh, 
typically people struggle with not believing, um, maybe not even realizing it. But one of the key attributes um, is uh, that God is good. So we need to remember all the time, right, that God is good. You know, sometimes we get into these difficult situations, or as you described, we have people that we love that aren't believers. Um, And especially when they get into difficult situations, maybe a marriage is very difficult or something like that. A person has a tendency to default to God must be punishing me. Um, God, you know, doesn't care about my situation. Um, We just have a tendency to do that. And of course, that's not true. Um, and right. We, we know would say from, sometimes the natural man yeah. has a tendency to think the worst instead of thinking the best exactly. about God. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, you got it. And and so, again, um, the more that you're in the word, the more you know that God is always good. He does care for us. In fact, he invites the anxious, for example, in First Peter to cast their cares upon him because he does care for us. Um, we don't need we you know, we need to be sure that our thought life isn't casting doubt on his goodness or even the truth of his promises to us. Um, If we really thought about it deeply, I think it's because of God's kindness and goodness that we're even saved from our sins, right? That's true. So Mm -hmm. um, he didn't have to save us. And so God's goodness is certainly an attribute I would want to help a person think through. And how about God's faithfulness? Right. It's another attribute uh, that we have a tendency to uh, not believe when we're anxious He's always faithful. God is faithful to his promises uh, from his word. He's, he's faithful even when we're faithless. Right. <laughs> um, you know, this is the attribute of God that uh, Paul has confidence in in verses like 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where he is resting assured that God's going to preserve the Christian in temptation and, or that God's going to establish and preserve him from, you know, the evil, the evil people. Right. <laughs> um, so when we're anxious about our life, uh, we're being faithless. And, and how I know that is because Jesus himself says that in Matthew 6 when he's saying, you know, anxiousness is foolish because of all these things. And then at the end, he's just like, you know, oh, ye of little faith. Right. So we know, but it's comforting to know that we serve a God who's always faithful um, to his promises. Um, we can count on that. And the word is so clear there. Um, I think this this next one is probably maybe the, maybe the more obvious one, but just meditating on God's sovereignty, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. his word reminds us that obviously he's he's in complete control of all things. He hasn't loved us. He hasn't forsaken us. Um, God's sovereignty is actually tied to his providence, you know, and, and that's just that idea that God is constantly cares for his people. He's ruling over his creation. He's always doing it for our good and his glory. And so in light of that, the expectation would be that we would learn to trust him more, Mm -hmm. you know, kind Mm -hmm. of walking through that. And typically when a person's anxious about their life, um, they aren't believing that God is in control. That is true. That's a belief system they're probably battling, but they want to be in control. Right. And and it like you were saying, it's chaotic out there, and right. they can't be in control of any of those things. And Don't so, know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. just get, you know, fearful. Right. So those would be the ones that I would camp on primarily, but I know that there's more. Oh, no, yeah. that's those are wonderful, and those are the ones that I would definitely go to as well. And uh, I think about sovereignty, and I'm really glad that you brought up goodness because I think sovereignty on on the macro and the micro level, right? Not just the big picture, but every tiny cell and molecule on the planet as well. And every step that we take in our day is ordered by him. And it's that I'm good with that until I'm not. 
you know, and I can counsel myself that way to direct everything back to the sovereignty of God. But sometimes you see, I'll miss that point, the goodness of God. And I think you have to think of both of those things mm-hmm. because you can think, well, God is sovereign and he's in control, but what if he doesn't love me enough? Or what if he's punishing me? Or what if he's not good? Or what if he's going to do this or that? So both of those things I think are important to think of in tandem. That is something mm-hmm. that I think we can stumble over. And, you know, I came across this verse again yesterday and I thought, oh boy, I really miss that verse. I used to have it memorized and I can't believe I've forgotten it. So Aww. it's Psalm one twelve seven, and it says... He will not be afraid of evil tidings. And I love that because that person, it says his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And it goes on in verse 8. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemy. And so when you look up evil tidings, it says report or news or rumor. So when we're imagining the worst, let's say, or we're imagining what's going to happen, or we're going to get a phone call, you know, because I can do that kind of thing, you know, ah, if it's two (laughs) o'clock in the morning, I'm going to get a phone call, somebody's dead. (laughs) So God has impressed that upon me a while back. And I'm just so thrilled to have come across it again and said, yes, I forgot about this verse, he will not be afraid of evil tidings. We can't be afraid of that report or that news or that rumor, we have to trust that God is good in the midst of it all and that we're commanded not to be thinking that far in the future and not assuming what could be or Mm -hmm. presuming upon God in that. So I really, I really like that. I'm so glad that you brought up the goodness of God. So what about personally in your counseling work? Because you have counseled so many women, Shelby. Uh, What, what, with the person that's struggling with fear and worry, do you think has helped them the most? Or even like you said, that you've had anxiety, bouts of anxiety before, and what is the most helpful to do? We've kind of talked about some of those, which is meditating and thinking, and then uh, being really clear about the attributes of God and going to him in prayer. Um, But I know that there's some some fear-producing thoughts, like practically exactly how how do you handle that? How do you react to it? what do you, you know, if you're thinking, oh, something's going to be painful or, or like with what's happening, you know, somebody's going to be thrown in, in prison and <laughs> that yeah. kind of thing, or we're going to be persecuted mm-hmm. and we're going to be thrown in prison. And I think, I think, you know, we kind of joke about it at this church sometimes like, oh, well, we'll just have a, a prison ministry. And I know that's true. And I, I know that that's, we want to be c- courageous and bold, but at the same time, I think, but when you really think about that, there's nothing lighthearted about that. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Isaiah, my, one of my favorite guys in scripture was <laughs> sawn in two, you know, yeah. not nice, pretty horrific. And I'm not saying that we should take our thoughts there. I'm just saying that's right out of scripture. Those kinds of things happen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but how do you just practically bring that around sure. so that you're settled and self-controlled, that the spirit is controlling your emotions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you will? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's wonderful. And, and the way I'm going to answer it might be a little bit different than you think. But, you know, you started out talking about statistics, um, about overdiagnosing, and uh, that percentage is so high of how many people are now on medication and so that's their solution. They kind of look at it um, like a medical model, right? And they think that, uh, first of all, that there isn't any value even in being sad, which I don't agree with. But 
Um, and second of all, that the solution is just to take a pill. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, don't hear me say that you can't take medication. It's You have the freedom to do that. But when I'm dealing with um, a person uh, that comes to me with this kind of um, situation, I'm more thinking about what's the heart behind the fear anyway. And so I actually spend a great deal of time um, asking them lots of questions in the beginning. I don't really presume upon anything. And so I'm, I'm trying to think through, um, you know, can you just describe for me a little bit about the kind of fear that you're facing? Because it can be uh, just a multitude of things. Sure. It's not just a one size fits all. Can you describe for me how much of an influence your fear is on your day to day life? You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. is it just all encompassing? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what's your background? Are you like just yesterday I was talking to someone about this very thing and I was sensing that she has just been a fearful person most of her life. Um, Is this does this stem back and have an influence on your in Christ life now? And so based on the answers that they give me. It helps me to kind of focus because I'm, I'm kind of thinking through their answers. I'm trying to ask the Lord to give me wisdom as I interpret the information so that I can focus on where to take them in the word because I'm really more after, you know, what is driving the heart here? There's, there's lots of things going on here, and that's going to be the most beneficial is what's at the heart level um, because that's the real us, right? That's right. command central. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and so some helpful passages uh, that I have actually used in counseling <laughs> that are really kind of interesting. It's, it really just speaks to women's hearts in particular. And the most infamous one, you'll probably laugh, is the narrative about Martha and Mary. It just sure. <laughs> it just speaks to women's hearts and, and Jesus meant it to be so, um, because in that situation, um, Jesus told her she was anxious. Um, mm-hmm. she had ungodly concern. He, 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 who is the perfect counselor. That's right. <laughs> um, nailed it. Right. Yeah. And, and from that narrative, you learn things about Martha and, and that also helps us to be better counselors. Um, because you kind of look at her reaction, you've got all this data that's going on and you can see that she's under pressure. And there's a lot of things going on in her life. You know, it could be just the circumstances that she finds herself in. It could be the culture in which she lived. Mm-hmm. It's a pressure. Mm-hmm. It could be the importance of the guests that are there, Jesus and the, some of the disciples. It could be just her desire to serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been self expo- uh, self-imposed expectations. I mean, there's a, a multitude of possibilities there. Um but the narrative is trying to say, but instead of focusing on what is truly important, which is what Mary was doing, sitting at Christ's feet, Martha is allowing herself to be distracted uh, by the preparations in her serving, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's yielding sinful fruit in her life, flowing from a heart really that's weighed down by anxiety. Sure. And she blames the Lord. I mean, and she, she gets bl- angry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Him. I mean, mm-hmm. she gets she's so anxious about everything. And then he he uh, he does. He, he tells her that you are anxious about so many things. And mm-hmm. he just means and it's it, it really ties into what you were saying when he says, Martha, you're anxious about so many things. He really is saying you have more care and concern for this temporal situation, this future dinner that you're about ready to put on than you do for me. Wow. That's very um, startling it's when you very, think about I it, mean, isn't it? Is. it? Yeah, and, it really is. And yeah. in thinking the best, because I think Martha loved the Lord, mm-hmm. um, I think probably she started off with godly concern, mm-hmm. just like you were saying. Right. I think she started off with the right heart. Um, she wanted to serve. She welcomed Christ into her home. She wanted to be a blessing. And so how did her that kind of idea, that kind of heart attitude turn into this kind of, 
you know, just right. uh, free floating anxiety. Exactly. Where she says, yeah, even don't you care that she is not helping I mean, me? So you're accusing the Lord of not even caring about yeah. you. And that's kind of too back to that part of just accusing it must be sinning. that he doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's yeah. really such a fascinating point, Shelby. That's wonderful. Right. She cares more about the temporal than she does about the Lord. Yeah, I think that's an important part of the narrative mm-hmm. that she, mm-hmm. in the process of her concern, she's lost concern for Christ. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I think Christ tells us in that narrative that Mary's chosen the good portion, mm-hmm. um, which couldn't be taken away from her. And so what he means by that is her priorities are in the right place. She's sitting at Christ's feet. He's shepherding her mm-hmm. as he's mm-hmm. teaching that evening, which is what happens when we make it a priority to spend time with the Lord. He shepherds our souls. He ministers to us. And and that really is a significant part of all that teaching um, because above all, whatever it is we're involved in, whatever it is we're concerned about, we have to spend time with our Savior. And it's only when Christ is ministering to you in that way um, that you are fit not only to serve him and others, but you're, you're learning to trust God mm-hmm. um, even in those hard times. Um, mm-hmm. And you have joy, even when seemingly the world's like, why do you have joy? Right. Become a testimony That's right. That's um, of right. God working in you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you have a biblical perspective. I think that's right. important. I think right. we have to kind of pull away. You know, I was, you know, I, I get involved in politics, too, but sometimes I have to pull myself away. I have to pull myself away and just say, wait, I need a biblical perspective here. So Absolutely. And it's really funny how fast that can happen, too. I mean, I can listen to three minutes because I very rarely listen to much at all only because it's so maddening but even three minutes of the world and the world's perspective because of the craziness that's going on can lead me into the spiral yeah and so I think it's really important now more than ever to know God's word to know the Lord to be steadfast in it uh, because there's a lot of deception too that's coming down the pike. And so spending that time with the Savior, I think that's just a beautiful uh, antidote. And I, I love what you pointed out in that scripture. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> so how should the gospel of Jesus Christ shape our perspective about the future? I mean, it should shape everything, of course, about us. It's God's, you know, linear plan. He's working toward an end. And we have this wonderful privilege of being part of it and watching it unfold, but because he lived and is alive and died for our sins and has been resurrected, is at the right hand of the Father, always interceding for us, and we will be forever with him. How can we really funnel our future through that great truth? (laughs) I mean, I think that's the best question of them all, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, You know, um, because without Christ in us, we don't have the supernatural peace that right. he gives, right. that Paul talks about, that supernatural peace that right. guards your heart, not just any old peace. Yep. <laughs> it is supernatural. Um, yeah. So we, we know that, I mean, you, it's again, it's biblical perspective. You've got to remind yourself that as an in Christ one, you have a new heart. You have the capacity mm-hmm. to learn how to trust God and even desire to trust God. You have the, you have the ability to have a sound mind that Paul yes. talks about. You know, as an in Christ one, you can rely on the Holy Spirit to transform you. So, sure, maybe you give in to anxiety today, but you know that you can go to the Lord. You can confess that. You can lay that aside. You can put on trust. He helps you with all of those things. Um, more especially, I think it's good to think about the fact that this this is not our final home. Yes. <laughs> you know, we're citizens of heaven. We're awaiting the Savior to come and take us home. Mm-hmm. 
You know, we have to have an eternal mindset when it comes to the experiences we have in a fallen world. Because I look around and I go, it's so fallen. It's just not mm-hmm. even funny, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and yet I know this is not my home. This is not, um, you know, I try to envision almost like a suitcase by the front door. Uh, my home is in heaven and Christ is coming back someday. You know, we're to be ready. Um, right. And my favorite passage actually in, in thinking about through these types of things is like Second Corinthians 4, mm-hmm. 7 to 8. Because you've got a couple things going on. Um, Paul says we have this treasure in jars of clay mm-hmm. to show the surpassing power, uh, uh, show, to show the surpassing power that belongs to God and not to us. Okay, we know that Christ in us, you know, the hope of glory, and right. then, but we're afflicted in every way. Sure, but we're not crushed. Right. You know, we're perplexed. I'm perplexed. Right. Same here. Yeah. By our politics, right. but not driven to despair. Right. Right. Okay? Right. I, we are persecuted mm-hmm. for our mm-hmm. faith, mm-hmm. for sure, mm-hmm. but I'm not forsaken. So right. even if we have to go to jail for our faith, like you were saying, right. I know my Lord, I'm not forsaken by the Lord. Right. I know. I mean, you think of Paul, right? Right, sure. And he's, he's probably drawing from his own experiences here. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Why? Because we always carry the body of Jesus mm-hmm. within us. Mm-hmm. And so that's a biblical perspective. And that will help to frame your thought life. When it starts going down in the land of what ifs, you got to grab that back. That's right. And you've got to think through scripture like this because it's a beautiful perspective about what it's like to be a believer in a fallen world. Because there's only two types of people. There's believing and perishing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we're always you know, needing to think through the fact that we're overcomers because we're right. in Christ. I and love that he's term. Our hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that term that we're overcomers. And I, I love that you are saying in Christ so many times because that's absolutely true. And to know that and believe that that can change everything and should change everything. So, uh, when something happens or when we have that anxious thought, I can even stop myself at that point and say, what is true? It is true that I can combat this right now because the triune God lives in me and the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit in me has the ability to put that thought off and I can think rightly about the Lord. Right now in this moment, I can I can stop. Mm-hmm. Only believers have that ability. The unbelieving world, the anxious, unbelieving world doesn't have that wonderful truth and that privilege. They don't have the power to do that. But Mm -hmm. we as Christians, what a remarkable privilege that we can say that. I mean, they have the wrong view of man anyway, don't they? They sure do. Because we think of ourselves as body, soul. Right. And a lot a lot of the times people are taught in psychology that that we're just body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah. that there's no hope in that. Right. There's no, <laughs> I mean, none seriously, at all. That's the most dismal yeah, truth. You I know? mean, the yeah. body's breaking down, you know. What right. I'm saying, so. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you for that wonderful answer. And then I think just, you know, as we see society, of course, becoming more mm-hmm. hostile toward believers. I, I know that there are many women who are afraid for their children and their grandchildren, kind of talking again about, I'm not so much afraid for me. I'm more concerned about what's going to happen to my loved one. So what scriptures do you rely on when you think about that topic, smiling at the future, rejoicing in the time to come, <laughs> girding ourselves with strength? And sure. I, um, I was thinking about, let's see, well, you know, some of the things we were, we've been talking about with other gals is that the kids coming up that the Lord has purposed to have born, let's say in 2020, you know, somebody has to be a Daniel or a Peter or an Esther or a Mary. You know, God is putting them on the planet in history for this specific time. And then, of course, knowing scripture, sort of like we were talking about, there is 
no substitute for knowing the Bible, knowing the Lord, repeating those truths to you because to yourself, because there there's lots of lies and there's lots of deception that is, you know, trying to get in our minds. And I always think about Habakkuk because he's such a favorite. And he said that there is such wickedness with Judah's sin. He was he was actually kind of complaining, I would say, kind of to God that the wicked surround the righteous and justice goes forth perverted. <laughs> and that's kind of how we feel, I think, in these in the society today. And that's how, you know, things are really bad. And God said, I am bringing the Chaldeans as a judgment. And Habakkuk mm. sort of says, well, how how long exactly is that going to last? <laughs> you know, <laughs> since they are terribly evil. And of course, God says that he is going to judge them too. But Habakkuk says, I will stand and watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. So he prepared to wait God's answer. And he was just thoughtful about his own response, I think, to what was happening. And so mm-hmm. I always love that picture mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I love Habakkuk and I love, you know, his song at the end of Habakkuk is just such a remarkable, wonderful uh, truth that he can say, even though all of these things are going wrong, still I will praise the Lord. So it's just wonderful. So I don't know if you have some specifics that you think about or, or scriptures that you think about, but giving us that hope and encouragement sure. as we Look off into the future. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I had two grandchildren born in 2020, so I can yeah, certainly you relate, you know, <laughs> yeah. these, these children. And I hope that my grandson is a Daniel and, and my sure. granddaughter is a Mary. But, you know, there's there's definitely uh, some scripture out there that's very, that gives us a lot of encouragement. And I, I often think that John 16, verse 33 is really helpful because Jesus is talking and he's, he's telling us, you know, he's telling the disciples that in the world you're going to have tribulation. I mean, in reality, we just can't control it. Right. It's just our reality. Um, but the hope, he says, he goes on to say, is is we can take heart because Christ has overcome the world. Mm-hmm. So I think we find a lot of comfort in knowing that he's overcome that. You know, we're, his, uh, we're able to walk in that way. We're able to walk with that in mind. We have overcome the world in a, in a large sense because this is not our home. Right. We have a destiny. Our future's bright. Right. Um, that's encouraging. Um, practically speaking, I think uh, walking through Philippians 4, 4 to 9 is really helpful for people. And it's... And one of the reasons why is because of the way Paul talks about even the Lord. But he does start off in verse 4 by saying, you know, uh, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Um, and, and we know that it's not like when we're in a difficult situation, that's really our first go-to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but he says something really profound, and it's kind of tied up in having a right awareness. He talks about the Lord being near. Mm. Um, and he's not talking about the Lord coming back. It's not that kind of the Lord is near. He's mm-hmm. talking about um, the nearness of the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, the Lord that's mm-hmm. in you, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. that his nearness is your good. And so I think I can fight, uh, biblically speaking, in my mind, a lot of those kinds of anxious thoughts by reminding myself the Lord is near. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in me. Mm-hmm. He's going to help me. Pastor John actually taught on that this past mm-hmm. Sunday, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I was comforted um, by him even repeating that. And Another aspect of that is just uh, Paul's really big on not only having a right awareness, but just right praying. Right. I mean, we've got to be people of prayer. Yes. We've, we've, we've got to model dependence upon the Lord, and that's how we do it. And Paul just adds that we ought to do it with a thankful heart. So you're, you're burdened. Um, you're 
concerned about unsaved family members, things are going on, Thanksgiving's around the corner, and it might mean that you're spending it with unbelievers. Right. <laughs> um, so let's start praying now. Mm-hmm. Let's let's pray. Let's pray with Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, let's give those requests over to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gives us this wonderful uh, grid, if you will, in verse 9. Let's let's take these thoughts that I'm having and let's just actually filter them through the scripture. Is what I'm thinking right now actually true? Yep. Is this actually true? Is this actually honorable? Right. Is Lovely. this actually even pure or just? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is this even excellent? Yes. If not, mm-hmm. I need to stop and pray and repent. I mean, I need to turn away from those ungodly thoughts because if I don't, it's just going to go further down into this vicious cycle because right. that's the problem with thoughts. And, you know, um, you probably have counseled because you're a counselor too. People that uh, allow their thoughts to go so far that they get into panic mode and they have panic attacks. Sure. And so a panic attack is when thoughts get to that point mm-hmm. and, you know, suicidal thinking. And mm-hmm. so you've got to repent of that and then seek to, you can almost chart it out. Here are my ungodly thoughts, writing them down. And then you can almost go to scripture and just replace. replace. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I call it the mm-hmm. replacement principle. Mm-hmm. And then I just love also what Jesus has to say in Matthew 6. Um, he, he just reminds us we shouldn't be anxious about our life. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's not productive. It's a thief of our time. Um, right. It's, it's you know, it does nothing more than cause at times physical issues. I mean, yeah, you want gray hair? Go for it. Be anxious right. about your life. You know, it, 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 right. could, it could lend itself to ulcers, all kinds of things. I know. I always I mean, think the fret not, it tends only to evil. You I mean, know, it Because does. it does. It takes you down that road and nothing good comes of it. Nothing good comes of it. Doesn't of it doesn't accomplish anything and it, it only doesn't. makes you worse off than when you started. <laughs> I mean, seriously, but the, the, the wisdom in that passage is, mm-hmm. um, is to seek his kingdom. Right. I mean, it's the same thing that Mary was doing that day. She was literally sitting at Christ's feet, taking on the posture of a disciple and seeking his kingdom in mm-hmm. that moment and allowing him to, again, minister to her. And we do the same when we're doing that. And, you know, it's it's a process. I would right. say that my tendency at this point in my life to become anxious in that way is not as, I don't get anxious as easily as I say did I don't know, 20 years ago or something. I think the longer you you, uh, walk with the Lord and you're treasuring his truth and things like that and you're growing in your view of God, it it just makes a difference. Right. It transforms you, right? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's a transformative work. I mean, that's what the Lord is Mm -hmm, doing. mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, those are some, those are some go-tos for me. Right. Um, Those are excellent. Thank you so much. Well, Shelby, I can't thank you enough for joining me on this podcast. It has been insightful and delightful and encouraging. And I just want my listeners to know more about you. And if they want to listen to your podcast, for instance, where you will hear more of this great truth that we just spoke about, where can they find you and what are you featuring on your podcast right now? Yeah, thank you. Um, So uh, Kim Cummings and I... uh, host a podcast called Women's Hope Podcast. It's produced by the Masters University. So the first place you can find it is on their website. So it's just masters.edu, you know, forward slash women's hope. That'll get you right to the episodes. But if you subscribe to Spotify, um, you can find us also on Apple Podcasts, just really anywhere that you subscribe to podcasts, you'll be able to find us. And uh, we just started a series uh, a few weeks back. Uh, we had we 
have obviously a group of women that follow us, and we decided to poll our audience and ask them, what would you like us to speak on? And we were just kind of overwhelmed with all kinds of issues out there. So talk about people really thinking and potentially being anxious over things. Um, We decided to do a series called Issues of the Heart. And so we have talked about uh, contentment already. We've talked about when you don't feel like one anothering, mm-hmm. you know, in these crazy <laughs> sure. times. Right, um, right, right. It's a stretch there. It yeah, is. It and is. so just different things like mm-hmm. that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a great podcast. Kim's wonderful. And so it's neat. Yeah, it's neat terrific. to be able to have. It's a privilege, really, to do that with her. So Right. And I encourage everyone to listen in because I have listened to myself. And it is. It's wonderful and encouraging. And we all need to be shored up even more in these times. So I really appreciate that and appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you.